slightly eccentric. These people are clearly psychos. Ray, what do you think? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Right. Been awfully quiet, Ray. Maybe we could have a little participation here. I, I think they're clean. Oh, I think Bonnie and Carol are right. See? You know, that's great, Ray. Just pull open the door, pull the ripcord, and just bail out on us. Oh, that's rich, considering you're the one who started this whole thing to begin whoa, with. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who started it? Tuna Neck? I Tuna think Neck? You instigated You know this who instigated this? Your little boy watching people dig in the you backyard. My... Honey, would you and Bonnie excuse us? I think I should have a talk with the boys in the den for just a few minutes. Okay. Oh. It's good to see you've come to your senses, sweetie. Just a minute or two. So, uh, what's the deal, right? Are you siding with the chicks against us? Is that it? Yeah, you totally pussy whipped or what? Why don't you just take your balls out of your wife's purse? Make a stand for one time in your life. <laughs> hey, Ray, come hey, on. Hey, it's just hey, a figure of speech, Ray. Joke. He's getting around. Ray. It's Walter's rug, so you got an old guy's wake. Big deal. You've had that in your trousers all day? After you found this in Walter's house yesterday, I slipped it back in through the mail slot. Well, where did you get it this time? Clopex. Wow. After the dog came up out of the basement. I found it wedged between a bunch of magazines, all of which, I might add, were addressed to Walter. Well, then, then that, that means that Clopex went back inside Walter's house and got the hair. What do we do now, soldier? Well, you heard them say they were going away tomorrow. As soon as that car leaves in the morning, I'm going over the fence, and I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. Nobody knocks off an old man in my neighborhood and gets away with it. Happening. 
Welcome to the latest episode of the Cinema 9 Podcast. Travis says it's happening, and I think that is accurate. He's Travis Roy. I'm Michael Govier. The other guy's Eric Branstrom and his daughter. A very special episode featuring the Branstrom family. Look at that. Cutesy wootsy. She's so lovely. People love babies. How can you not love a baby? It's a lot of fun. It's all downhill from there, but man, it's a good depends, time when you're a child. So. Depends on their politics, really. <laughs> About a nine on the tension scale, Rube. Yes, we will be getting into the Burbs, which was the winner of our listener selection game. That was Travis's closet of movies, if you will, his old cupboard of... Remember those... Uh, I remember when I lived in my house in the 90s, we had this thing that you... It kind of opened up from the middle to like two swinging doors, and it had tons of VHSs in it. I don't see those around much anymore. Yeah, ours were just piled up in like that top shelf in one one of the closets of the bedroom. Just, just you had to like pull a bunch, like a, pull a stack out to see the ones behind them. You know, wow, all all just labeled with that label maker thing. <laughs> the label maker, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna talk burbs today. It's gonna be a good time. It's a classic. I mean. Oof. No secrets about this one, but we will enjoy talking about it because we love the burbs. We do. And Derek, don't even try to make that face. Sure. You want to build tension, you can try, Eric. Eric's making a face of, I don't know. But either way, we welcome you. Cinema9pod at ProtonMail.com. That's how you can send us an email. We prefer you don't, but you can. You were <laughs> legally allowed to do it, I believe. An option. And yeah. So Travis Roy, Hazel Park, Michigan. What's cooking? Oh, uh, not too much. You know, I uh, watched some movies this past week. I worked my job. And uh, then I came back full circle to do the podcast again. It's really, it's really fantastic. Wow. <laughs> Increíble. That is Increíble. amazing. Yes. Yeah. Were you able to mow your lawn in peace this week? Um, I, I've shifted schedules where I was doing it on Thursdays. Now I'm, now I'm mowing on like the weekend. So I, I, I had a good mow last weekend. We'll see how this one goes. So, so, no so far I haven't been murdered. So that's the plus. How you doing, Eric? I'm great. Like, since I've been off work, like, I'm doing nothing but just literally sitting here. Like, this is what I do all day. I sit here, I feed this baby, and I watch movies. So, to be honest with you, this hasn't happened in a long time. I'm, like, getting burnt out. Like, I've watched so many movies, like, my eyeballs are are bleeding. So, it should be interesting this week. Wow. That sounds like a lot of films. You did send us a picture where you didn't look very... You look shocked, I guess. Is that the word? He looked shocked. I, I, in our I, text I, I let's just let's just say I threw an antique like Voss vase Voss across wow. the room. I was so mad at one point while watching a movie. I've never done that. I tossed it right into my decanter. <laughs> yeah, in my decanter. <laughs> I was in my foyer and I smashed a vase with my decanter. <laughs> <laughs> my my uh, my uh, authentic suit of armor fell over, shattered all over the place. <laughs> Wow, well, that sounds like a real hoot. Man, I'm kind of envious of your situation over there. But one thing I do know is we will talk movies on this show. And as far as emails, you guys were on a roll recently. We really had like a healthy dose of emails, which I thought was fun because when you guys connect with us on the show, it makes life better for everybody, really. Do we agree with that? Do what do you think? Know, do people know that we're joking when we say don't send us email? They might yeah, take well, it that's seriously. What, that's, what weeds out the, uh, that's what weeds out the people who don't know us, see? Because the true people who know the joke, they're going to stick with us. But don't we want everyone to email? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, want our, we want an hey. audience only of our friend base. Thank you. No, oh, you started the joke. Uh, so you tell me. I'll, I'll just follow your lead. So. Joke. Yep. Sorry about that. Well, here's today's email from our old pal Chud Pud. Hey, oh. Uh, 
also known as Aaron, with an E, E-R-O. I never knew anybody who spelled Aaron E-R-O until I met Aaron. I had the there be an N in there somewhere. And the end, yes. There is, oh, there's okay. an I was confused. Implied. Uh, I had to bail early on last week's live stream, but I wanted to comment about Biloxi Blues. Travis was speculating on why I love the movie so much, and he was partially correct. The other part is how, even though it's set 50 years before I served, Aaron's a veteran of the Air Force, it really depicts the interpersonal relationships I had perfectly in training and those first few years. Also, me and Dana watched both Stigmata and Stir of Echoes in the theater, the base theater on uh, Elgin Air Force Base. I don't remember anything about either movie. Well, what a great note to close on. It's been 22 years, so I guess. <laughs> nope. So some of us think you should revisit Stir of Echoes. Some of us don't. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, uh, it didn't hold up overall. It was a two-to-one ruling, and that's fine with me. I mean, it's just a movie that existed in... I find it entertaining. That's it. I, I don't remember much about Biloxi Blues, except like Matthew Broderick and Alan Ruck are both in it. I think that's how Alan Ruck was invited to audition for Ferris Bueller. That's Is incorrect. that the case? He's, he's, he, maybe he was in the stage performance or maybe he was. Yeah, yeah. He was, in, he was in the, uh, the, the play with, with okay. Matthew Broderick. But like both of them in the film, they're like 80 pounds. Is the, do you have to do like the boot camp in the Air Force? He's not in the film. That's what I'm saying. Alan Ruck is in oh, the film. Okay. Uh, Matthew Broderick is uh, very small and not very built uh, for being in uh, the army. Like, uh, was there no like training back in the day, or what well, takes place during? Tra- it takes place during training. Like it takes place when they first show up on, I think, Paris Island. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah. He's he, of course he's skinny. He's not. He hasn't trained yet. Okay. Oh, yeah, I was wondering about that. All I remember is that cover box, like, like, smiling at you. Doesn't he have, like, kiss lips on his face or something? Or am I yeah, he's trying, to, it's, he's trying to get laid. This is this movie's about right. this is the classic Neil Simon, young guy's trying to get laid, but he's in a spot where he's just surrounded by dudes, so he's not really going to get laid by a woman easily anyway. So, um, yeah. But it, it does touch on, on on everything. It's a It's a pretty great little movie, I do think. I saw it once, and I was like, okay, whatever. It definitely hit me a little more when I was older, because when I was a kid, I was like, I hated that. I was like, I didn't want to watch it. I used to pass it off pretty quickly if it was ever on television. Cover box. It's a shit cover box. I'll grant you that. <laughs> a shit cover box. A Not shit well demon. <laughs> All right. That's our email for today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Aaron. For a nice guy. Thanks, buddy. Uh, that's it. Yep. I'm making sure I'm triple checking our email is closed. Let's move into... Quarantine viewing pigs. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, last week, I made a proclamation that I would stop reducing my amount of movies that I was intaking. Um, I think I did a better job of it. There's still more work to do, but I'm progressing. How about you, Trev? I think I watched about one less movie than usual. <laughs> That's progress. I didn't, I didn't really change much. Oh, I remember last week when I said I only watched horror movies? Yeah, I did that again this week. I only watched horror movies. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> If you count if you count the verbs as a horror comedy, which I do, I only watched horror movies this week. Um, so let's get into it. I uh, I caught Maniac Cop from 1988. <laughs> Bruce Campbell is a boss. That was that was fun. Uh, I watched Love and Monsters from 2020. Very enjoyable film. I wrote a review on our Instagram page, which I encourage you to follow. Um, it, it, it's a fun movie, and it's one of the rare movies where I'm like, yes, please give me a sequel. I really like this movie. Um, I watched The Howling from 1981, little Joe Dante action, who also directed uh, The Burbs. I'd never seen The Howling. 
Um, it's funny. I was really obsessed with werewolves growing up. I didn't watch most of the werewolves movies growing up because like they all came out when I was like an infant. So like they were like still in the ether, but like I was too young to watch them. So I was like, I heard about them, but I was always too scared to watch them. So I like had never even seen the howling. And I did not expect like the first like I don't know full on fucking hour to be like a classic police movie you know like, <laughs> like i'm like where the fuck are the werewolves in this thing and and then they came and robert picardo who uh played like the the main villain and that is just so awesome and Batine's uh um special effects are incredible so like i was underwhelmed in some ways but blown away in others and I, it was cool to finally watch that um uh, i watched rabid david cronenberg's rabid from 1977 mm. for the first time which Dude, it was fucking awesome. It was so good. Uh, I really would like to see more porn stars make the segue into legitimate film because Marilyn Chambers was great. And lastly, the worst film flub I've ever seen in film history. I don't know if you've seen this movie, but it's the most obvious error. Like there's a scene where like the uh, the lead character, the lead actor, like he's like driving a car in New York and he like gets stopped on the street because there's like, rabid people in front of him and like these other guys come out and like shoot the rabid person and and like you get like two not one but two shots from far back and like the dude is the character is driving alone and you're like looking at the movie and just like well there's there's the cameraman just plain as fucking day sitting in the back seat with a camera like train right next to his face and shit i'm like it's the most of all i mean i've seen some film flubs but I'm, I'm actually really terrible at spotting these things so it was kind of funny to like catch that in this classic film um was it like so bad that like they they saw it in the work print but like the, it was too important to cut and they had no footage they couldn't cut around it that was the worst thing about it. It was just a totally unnecessary scene. It really didn't serve any major function in the film. And so it was like, not only was it super obvious, it could have easily been cut and it wouldn't have affected the film in the slightest. So it was really weird, but it was a great movie. And if you haven't seen uh, Rabbit, I would recommend that absolutely. Um, I watched uh, The Gate from 1987, which I'd never seen before. What? Uh, you never saw The I'd, Gate? I'd oh, never man. seen The Gate. Dude, oh. I'm glad I didn't watch it as a kid. That movie would have fucked me up. Yeah, it explains a lot for me, man. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, as a kid, I remember watching that, like eight years old. That would have fucked my shit all up. That is a weird little movie. I liked it. I liked it. I had no idea that Stephen Dorff was a child actor. I I had no idea. Um, But it it was it was pretty good. I don't know that I'm gonna dig into Gate Two real quick, but I mean, it was it was so weird too because it was like like goddamn the fucking '80s, man. Like they would make these horror movies that were clearly geared towards children, yet at the same time, completely inappropriate with children. We talked about this with RoboCop, which is not exactly a horror movie, but like, just like, what the fuck is happening with that movie? It was great. I did enjoy it. Yeah, I I, I think I, I thought maybe I mentioned it once on the show. It was like one of the few, because you guys were digging, like, there's got to be a scary movie that you liked as a kid. And I think I mentioned it once, but that was one that yeah. always stuck with me. The Gate. I could see it clear as day, and that was the go-to, I would say, that I still liked. I, I haven't seen it in a few years, but... I'm sure it's still fun. I thought you'd say, I thought you'd watched it since we started the podcast. I felt like you'd talked about it in that context once, but maybe I'm wrong. At any rate, I knew that you enjoyed it. So I, I figured I'd give it a listen or give it a watch. Plus I'm also like very deliberately trying to educate myself with some of the classic horror films is I do this thing where I'm stopped trying to stop watching movies I've seen before. So I'm going to watch two movies this week that I'd seen before. Oh um, boy. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, so, so it was cool, you know, to get some classics under my belt, like Nightbreed, also from 1990, directed by uh, Clive Barker. I'd never seen that. Um, 
interesting, interesting film. I could see why it didn't turn into the trilogy that he wanted it to. Um, and then, you know, I've watched a few others, but I'll, I'll wrap it up with, I watched the dark and the wicked from 2020, which, uh, this guy Lee Cronin is the one that's going to helm, uh, evil dead rises. He's going to be taking the, 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 the reins on that. Um, it was an interesting little horror movie. I, I liked it. It was kind of slow and plotting, but not in a necessarily bad way. But the main thing I got from it is that it's a, um, I forget who the, who the, who the studio is, but it's not a 24, but like, it's weird that I'm starting to see like a 24's influence on horror film where like I'm seeing movies that straight up, I mean like, and it's weird because like multiple directors have worked for a 24 and made horror movies. But at the same time, there's like kind of like, you know, Blumhouse kind of does too, but like, there's like this fucking distinct, a24 horror feel that this movie has yet it's not from that studio so I, I would i would recommend that one but like go in lightly because it's not the greatest the if i had to recommend anything out of what i watched this week i'd say love and monsters mm. wow look at you movie master <laughs> watching some movies. movies you do about a nine on the tension scale rope all right <laughs> eric brancher what have you been watching are you tense do you need a massage no, I, I I've always hate massages. Like like if anyone has ever tried to give me one, I I like freak out. I don't like anyone giving me a mas. I don't understand how people like massages. Like people like touching your body, especially like. I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. I've never understood that. Well, then I um, can never properly relay it to you. Then yeah. you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> if that's not like something that chair, but like someone being like like digging into my back, get the fuck off me. I I never understood. Well, oh, welcome massages. Our old pal, yeah. old pal Matt, used to oh, really dig into our show. <laughs> I had a, uh, I had a professional massage once, and the lady asked me if I had had like surgery, like surgery, if it was scar tissue in my shoulders, and I was like, no, no, that's just my regular tension. And so I can tell you, like, some of us like need professional massages every now and then. Absolutely, I need to get like broken up, like, like a, I don't know, like a ice flow once a year. <laughs> It is a real profession, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like, like when people are like, "Oh, I got a knot." Like, what? What are they talking? What is a knot? Like, I got oh, a it's knot. A real in thing. My back. What yeah, are they like talking a, about? Like a, I don't know. It's like a it's knotted like a, up, like a, like a clenched muscle or something. Like a, a sprained muscle. I don't fucking know. I'm not a doctor, but it's just like a, it's like a kink or something. Like they're just, real. I don't. I mean, knots like a kind of a loose bozo <laughs> you term. A, I don't know. Are, are you an alien? Like, how am I having? To, why am I having to <laughs> describe what having a body's like to you? <laughs> Massage her, man. A24, get on that. You know, I, I checked into, uh, I watched Blowout because you had brought that up like uh, a couple of months back, Mike. I never seen Blowout, the John Travolta picture. I loved it. So I yes. fucking loved it. I loved it so much that I I tried to follow it up with like another thriller starring like John Lithgow as the bad guy ricochet yeah. it's fucking so horrible oh. i had to turn it off it was one of three movies that i had to turn off this week because they were wow. so bad loved blowout so much like the story's yeah. bonkers but like the, brian de palma is a fucking genius man that ending dude is so fucking good that's beautiful um, and, uh, shot in philadelphia right Your old yeah. Yeah, old yeah, town, that's right, right. yeah that's right travis um under siege i told you guys i checked back in with under siege it's been almost 30 years uh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean all joking aside i think the most entertaining part aside from the obvious like cake scene was probably listening to steven seagal deliver the line with a straight face i can't deal with this right now i gotta make 20 gallons of bullia base 
He's so dumb. Like he's not believable as this cook. So, you know, a decent amount is fun. Like, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, sorry, I yeah, because I last night I was literally reading an article about what a dickhead Tommy Lee Jones is. Yeah, I, I was. Tom, I was oh, like Tommy Lee Jones and Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, good point. But Tommy Lee Jones, legendary yeah, asshole. Like, like a apparently he has a heart of gold, but he's an asshole on the surface. So whatever that means. But it was a breakthrough role for him. You know that really put him on the map in a lot of ways. I mean, like he'd done Lonesome Dove before that, but that, but like oh, that was geez. you know. Like, the, like and he'd been around for a while. Don't get me wrong, but like, like yeah. he did Under Siege, and then after that, he did The Fugitive, and then he was like yeah. a fucking household name. Yeah, and that's how I he mean, got the me, fucking Two Face part, which he never should have got. But fuck no, that, no, he go back and watch uh, the Executioner song where he plays Gary Gilmore, the serial killer. It's his best role. He, it's so fucking good. He plays the real life killer. Uh, where was I? Like he's fun in it, but like all the villains are like such buffoons that like you can't take anything. There's no like tension. It's just <laughs> fucking so stupid. You see the uh, really. <laughs> I I checked back in with um Billy Bob Thornton. Like I haven't even fucking thought about this guy in like uh like twenty years <laughs> or so. I'm like, remember this guy? All right, hold on. Uh, so I watched, <laughs> and this is where I this is the move. Remember I tell I was telling you guys like I I started this up like I know. Just like having the background, and then I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my god, this is this is so fucking good. This would be perfect for the show." But but I couldn't turn it off. Like I don't know what our policy is. Like, can you watch it and then like a few weeks later bring it back for it doesn't hold up or whatever you want. Sling Blade. Uh, I don't know when you mm -hmm. saw it last, but it's it's a masterpiece of the highest order. It's so fucking good. So well written. Billy Bob Thornton should have gotten the Oscar. It's fucking amazing. John Ritter is incredible. Uh, I yeah. completely uh, agree with all of that. I do. I, 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 I was blown away. I was blown away. Is there a fly in your uh, apartment? Did Jeff? you watch blown away? Big time echo. <laughs> Remember Blown Away with Jeff Bridges and uh, yeah, yeah, his father, yeah. Lloyd Bridges? I can't remember. Yeah, that yeah. Blown Away is not very good. No. But I got to thinking after watching Sling Blade, like, Christ, Billy Bob Thornton, this guy is so fucking good. So I checked back in with uh, A Simple Plan. Like, I remember kind of liking that in 98. Sam Raimi, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it wasn't great. Not good. It wasn't great then. It's not. It's good. on my list, actually. I, it was recommended to me. I never saw it. So I still yeah, it's. I mean, see it, but it's just so like plot. It's like gift shop book. Like plot, like one dumb chapter after the other, and then they got this, yeah. and then this happened. It's fucking dumb. Um, but I gotta tell you, man, I I checked in with Clute from 1971. I went way back because I've always had my eye on this Jane Fonda. Like I, I thought to myself, I've never really fucking seen a Jane Fonda movie, and she won Best Actress for this like thriller where she plays a, a like a prostitute, sex worker. What what are we supposed to call these people nowadays? Sex worker. Sex worker. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Human being. Um, it's, it sucks. I don't know how she got best actress. Like this woman, I don't know how she's in. Well, her father's Henry Fonda. She's so boring. She has no charisma. She's done Have other movies. Jane Fonda movie. She's done other movies. I mean, like she's, she's got, you know, I think she's got some charisma and some stuff. I, I was can't... bored to tears. And then I, and then after that was over, I checked back in with, uh, Chinatown from 1974. It's been a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. sorry. I, dude, I'm sorry. It's fucking boring. I, I I don't I don't see what wow. the big deal is. Coming yeah, I watched it a couple of years ago. I'm sorry, I felt the same. I felt it's the same fucking way. boring. For a movie about water, it's dry as hell. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, who, was that Polanski? Who directed Chinatown? Yeah, Polanski. Like, every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, no. like, do I like it? Is it good? And I, I'm always just like, this is fucking boring. I don't care. I guess I need to revisit. Um, I've watched it since I was a kid. I'll have to revisit and let you know what I think. And yeah, I, when I, I was hate, an adult know, three years ago, it was pretty bland. But yeah, who knows? yeah very bland. I don't normally go on too long, but I do want to squeeze just a few more in if you can indulge me. Uh, By all means, sir. I turned Please. off. I tried to watch Popeye. Robert Altman film. <laughs> I don't know if you've tried to watch it. It's unwatchable. It's unwatchable. It's bizarre. It's like, how is this a movie? What the fuck is this? I can't believe it's an Altman film. I, yeah, I can't believe it's 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 such bullshit. I don't know if everyone was just high on the set. They're like, they're, no one's gonna no one's gonna see this. It's fucking so dumb, uh, Mike. I know you talked about this on uh, Is It Safe podcast, but this is why I was so upset this morning. I spent four hours watching the, the Crime of the Century doc on HBO. I was I, I, I was out of my mind with with rage. There's no there's no other way to talk about it. I mean, hundred billion dollars a year to pharmaceutical companies, five hundred thousand dead Americans of overdoses. And I mean, the doc is good. Alex Gibney did Going Clear, so it's a really competent doc if you're into those. But it's fucking infuriating. Uh, granted, it's by the it's like bankrolled by the Washington Compost, which I'm not a huge fan of. Anyway, but is that true? what they do, yeah, I mean, it's like their movie. But what they do give you is it's just in fucking. I was screaming in my house, throwing shit. Woke up the bed like five times. My dogs are pissed. You got to see it. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. I was, in fact, Mike, I was so mad. After I I cried on the remote. There's tears on the remote. But after <laughs> wow. it was over, I was so fucking fired up. I'm like, I gotta watch something just stupid immediately to like cleanse my palate. I just need some something dumb. So I put on Strange Wilderness for yes! you, Mike, and I lasted about five minutes. It's the dumbest <laughs> movie in my entire fucking life. Ernest Borgnine's in that fucking movie. I, how, He's also a baseball movie. movie. <laughs> it, it, it's fucking stupid. I'm sorry. I don't understand like stoner con like a, like a guy like with a bong like on the couch giggling. That's funny. Like I I never got that. Like what is this? What well, are these not all parts of the movie are funny. Yeah, like why do people yeah. like these? I uh, like uh, the people that are in it. There's a lot of cool people that I think are funny. Jonah Hill, uh, you know the Steve some Zahn. of the Steve Zahn and some of the uh, Broken Lizard bozos, Kevin Heffernan. So yeah, that's why I enjoy it. It's dumb as fuck. Oh, Kevin yeah. Nealon pops in. Yeah. You you've Fucking never talked wall. about it. never once has Mike been like this is a piece of art this is cinema I, never once has I was Mike been chuckle it's always been like this film is trash or this is important to me <laughs> personally I would not expect anyone else to like this this is this has been his resounding uh, call every time this yeah. movie come up am I right Mike I think that's very accurate description yes well done <laughs> what about you Mike sorry to go on too long. No, it's great. Uh, and Jeff Garland's in that movie. I mean, there's a lot of funny people in that movie. So, and fucking that Harry movie. Hamlin. Harry Hamlin's in that movie. Oh, oh my god, so dumb. The comedy is dialing is not Harry funny. Hamlin. All yes. Happy Madison movies suck. Fred Wolf should. I, I hope. I, I hope he never makes a movie again. He's not Fred, funny. Fred Wolf must have really good friends in the industry. He really must. <laughs> he must be yeah, a great guy. Jokes and like weed. It's not funny. Uh, it's hard to argue with. You're right about that. But, they, you know, Happy Madison have their moments. You know, Grandma's Boy, I think it's hilarious. Uh, but other movies like The Ridiculous Six, fucking just wretched. wretched but, you, but you always know what you're getting with a Happy Madison production. If you're, if you're expecting something heavy, then you're going to, you know, obviously you're in the wrong place. <laughs> this is, uh, this is a, Noah Baumbach. 
<laughs> Rachel uh, getting married, presented by Happy Madison. Uh, I don't know if I see that. Ray- Rachel getting stoned and farting on the couch. Happy. Oh wait, happy no, I mixed up. Yeah, Rachel I know you did. Ma- <laughs> yeah, I did it. You did it. Rachel happy getting married. Rachel getting married. Yeah, you meant, you meant Margo at the wedding. Right. Rachel getting married. I actually like Rachel getting married a lot. I think it's great. I, I, mean, I, I think it's got you. a bad rep. I concur. Uh, all right, yeah. So uh, you know, movie. I reduced my movie intake, but unfortunately, and I mentioned this in our text thread over the weekend, we had some really shitty Memorial Day weather, at least to start the weekend. So it just made it so so easy to fucking watch movies. Like, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, my hands were tied here. Uh, but it it's warm today, and it was warmer. I got outside more this week. I will say that. Just so. I know you guys really care about that. Everybody out there, you're really dying to know what I've been doing every day. Were you out there every morning raising your American flag and saluting it properly? I wish. I wish I had a button that would raise it automatically. I mean, uh, boy, that must have been expensive to install, don't you think? <laughs> Rumsfeld's got uh, that big money. Rumsfeld! I watched Flight, a movie oh, directed oh. by Robert Zemeckis, starring Denzel Washington and... I saw it once a while ago, and I was like, eh, it was all right. I watched it again, and I was really much more taken with it. First off, you know, like you said, Eric, you watched the uh, Prime of the Century doc. It's about the opioid crime. It is a crime. And uh, whatever you've heard, the doc will prove that to you. But this is about a guy, Denzel Washington, who's an addict. He's an alcoholic, but he does an incredible thing. And it really brings out a lot of great points about, you know, are our actions, does that what define us? Or is there, regardless of other actions in our lives are those priorities over you know like saving a life versus hey you're still a scumbag you know it's like it's a weird it's a weird area it's a philosophical debate that kind of pops in your head when you watch this movie and i think it does a really really good job of expressing the reality of addiction much much more a movie about addiction than fucking flight i mean it's called flight and they advertise it as like this plane movie but it's really not about that at all yeah, it's the planes like the first twenty minutes, maybe, right? And the rest of it's like the aftermath of the event. We're gonna uh, roll yeah. it. Yeah. I, I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if flight suffered some because of Sully that had came out around the same time and people were kinda of like, Okay, I've already like seen that movie or like or you Well know, Sully or, came out in what came out after? Sully Sully came out in like twenty fifteen or sixteen, but the event had happened in two thousand nine, so it was in two thousand twelve when Flight came out. So maybe they were like, Okay, Sully, the real life thing, fuck that. Yeah, you know, I that's know. that's very possible. I'm not sure, but I, I feel like it's a pretty underrated film. I agree, and it's a rare oh, rated R movie by Zemeckis. So is it? Uh, is it, a, it? It's not a true story, or is it? Mike? It, it, it is. it's based on an event that happened in Alaska. It's obviously they changed the details, uh-huh. but unfortunately, the people in Alaska who tried because a lot of people give shit for the movie because they flip the plane upside down. Spoiler alert! To try to survive. It was in the preview. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Fuck it. They put it in the fucking trailer. But uh, they actually tried to do that in real life, but they actually crashed. So it's a based on a true story, but really has nothing to do with this movie at all. Oh, the symbolism of like the ego and and any addict with a huge ego. And when you have that amount of power as a pilot, I think that that mirrored pretty well with the character. I dig flight. Cool. Wow. I didn't realize we had so many flight fans. I feel better now. I feel good about myself. I feel like uh, life's going to be better going forward. It is. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it is. Travis just confirmed it. I'm here to tell Uh, you. I'm going to tell you. I watched this dumbass movie that I watched a lot when it came out. I had it on DVD in 2005-ish. And I was really excited for it because it teamed up two people that I really loved at the time. 2005, you got Matthew McConaughey. And then you got Al Pacino. And you're like, wow, McConaughey and Pacino in a movie? This is going to be amazing. 
but it's shit. And it's still shit. <laughs> Two for the money. Two for the money is not good. I'm not going to recommend that film, but I have high hopes. It's basically about two guys, you know, they're sports bookies. They run a sports gambling thing, and it's just, there's a lot of stakes, but it's just stupid. Jeremy Piven's in it. Rene Russo's in it. There's actors that are good in it, but otherwise it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, I watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's a TV show, obviously, but Travis said, you know, he throws those in from time to time, and I thought it was, it really made me emotional. I thought it really was a great, honest, genuine interpretation of real-life issues racism and discrimination and kind of coming to terms and giving people credit for the things that they should be given credit for that were buried in history. There's a lot going on in the show, a lot more than you might think for a oh, Marvel yes. entity. And I, it has some problems. And I realized that after I started to read reviews about it, after I watched it, but I, I got, I was taken by the closing of it all and seeing him, you know, come, you know, spoiler alert. He's a, there's some cool shit in this show that really got me excited. I'm with you, man. I thought it was pretty great. I mean, like it, it, I agree there's some some down moments, but overall, I mean, just another home run from Marvel for me. I agree. Um, and I know Eric doesn't give a shit, so we don't have to worry about his yeah, opinion yeah, we, on this. We, we can move on. <laughs> he is not a guy who likes... I mean, not, Marvel's Marvel. fun, Eric. People have had good times watching Marvel f- movies and TV shows. So We don't need to try and convince him of it. I, 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 I'll speak for myself. I'm just taking a break for now. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. I'm just taking a little break. I'm just... There's, there's a lot of content out there. But that one I did hear great things about. A lot of content out there. All right. I watched Dallas Buyers Club, and it was fucking incredible. It's so good. Oh, yeah. I hadn't watched it since I saw it in the theater. And, man, it was it's just as good then. Really, really beautiful movie. Honest portrait about a guy and pain and AIDS. And, you know, I love when people, you know, it's a true story about a guy who really, he's from the fucking hardcore like the trashiest discrimination kind of society. You know, he's a rodeo guy. He's in Texas. He's a cowboy. He's like, fuck everybody. He's a womanizing asshole. And then AIDS happens, and he's like homophobic as hell. But, you know, that story's not made up. He really did change as a, as a human. You know, there was a diary that Matthew McConaughey got access to based on Ron Woodruff's own story. It's real. So it's pretty cool, man. It's, it's inspiring, and it gives me hope for the future, believe it or not. So did you read the McConaughey book and then just like I got to dig into some McConaughey movies? Yeah, it definitely led me like I've been covering this has been going on for like a month now. Yeah, I think remember I told you I watched that dumb movie with my boyfriend's back and he's actually in it for like five seconds. That was his first role next to uh, Days of Confused the same year. So. Huh. Uh, I watch Eddie and the Cruisers. It's such a stupid <laughs> title. I love saying Eddie and the Cruisers, Eddie and the Cruisers. but yeah, it's not bad. It's, it's not bad. It's got I've some catchy it. music. Yeah. It's got this guy in it. I always he looks like John Cougar Mellencamp, but he's not. So it's basically like <laughs> I always think of John Cougar Mellencamp when I see Eddie and the Cruisers. But it's got Tom Berenger, <laughs> Ellen Barkin. It's somewhat entertaining. Oh, and early uh, Joe Pantoliano, by the way, Travis. Hey, so. we love him. We do. Uh, I watched Stuck on You. You guys remember this dumb movie? Yeah, yeah. In fact, last time I saw it, I was chuckling. <laughs> Who's in yeah. there? Give Matt us a refresher. Damon. And Greg Kinnear, a Ferrelli Brothers movie. Yes, it's a Ferrelli. They're stuck oh. together. Damon oh, and Kinnear. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're like uh, they're like Siamese twins. Conjoined, but yeah, whatever. So. Yes, sorry, you're right. My bad. Well, I didn't know that until I watched the movie again. So. Uh, that's that's You're right. That, that I used an archaic term. I apologize. But it's Ferrelli um, Brothers stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's right. It's funny, but All it's pretty right. dumb. 
It's got Cher in it. You like Cher? Anybody? Cher? I do like Cher quite a bit, actually. She's in that movie? I don't remember that. Yeah, she's like a... It's, she's a main part of the movie, yeah. So if you want oh, a dumb a comedy time. that is way over the top and it's early Eva Mendes and there's a lot of quality actors in it, it's a dumb film because it's the premise itself is absurd. Oh, yeah. But as yeah. Frelly brothers always do, they're going to give you some real stupid shit, but they're still going to try to bring some heart into it. And they, well, they've always done a, a better job than a lot of other comedies of trying to mix the two at a reasonable level. Mm, so. Like the Green Not Book? Bad. Uh, that's, yeah, uh, I, I, was, I was thinking maybe or, you know something about Mary uh, Kingpin. Kingpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me myself, Me, myself and Irene. And Irene. Right, right, oh my right, God, right. we're jinxing each other. Hey. Wow, that was weird. Uh, all right, yeah. So I never saw Pitch Perfect, and Travis said I had to watch Pitch Perfect too. I so I watched. Oh yeah, I thought I you did. Ki- you told me I was online. kidding. I was, you know, I was joking. Oh, I wish I had known you were kidding because I really. Pitch Perfect, the first one. I never saw it. I watched it. I've never was... seen either one of these movies. I was I, fucking I like all three of them. Oh, shit. <laughs> you like all three of them? Yeah. Wow, dude. Yeah. Pitch Perfect yeah. is... F- it's an entertaining movie. The first one's entertaining. But they have these commentators in it. It's uh, uh, Michael fucking Higgins. Michael Scott yeah, Higgins. Michael, Michael, John Higgins. Yeah. Michael John Higgins. Right? Michael John Higgins. Yeah. Thank you. And Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. They're the commentators, like the play-by-play people of the... Acapella events, it's so bizarre, but the shit they say in part two goes off the rails in a really racist, bigoted, like, misogynist. It's just not funny. They're awful jokes. Pitch Perfect 2 is shit, and I wish I had known you were kidding because I would not have watched it, Travis. I really took you seriously. I'm if not you kidding. don't know me by now, will you ever know <laughs> if me? you don't, don't know me I mean, I mean, it was online. It was you're, online. Like, you're like, I'm going to watch Pitch Perfect, and you're like, I, you're like making a big deal about it. I'm like, well, now you got to watch the second one because you watch the first I don't fucking know. There could be 40 of these things. Dude. I don't know. If I had heard <laughs> your voice Anna, say Anna that, I would do the laundry for like eight hours. I, I think I love any <laughs> dance competition movie. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Anytime there's a competition, there's a dance. They got training and there's a big competition. There. They're there's fun. Content. I'm not watching any dance movies. It's too much content. All the step up films. <laughs> step up to the streets. I, I never saw that got one. it. Yeah. I haven't got it. Yeah, I, I don't think I watched those types of movies either. But I wish I know sure. Travis was kidding. I would not have wasted my time. Don't watch two. <laughs> Definitely don't watch three. I didn't, I didn't watch three. I, I had no idea so. I wielded such power. Well, it, you're in text form. If we were verbally yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have figured, conversing, yeah, yeah. I would have known you were kidding. But hey, that's how it goes. And then uh, Bernie, 2011, great movie. Richard Linklater, Jack Black, based on a true story. It really is a real guy. Is it good? Bernie. It's good. It, oh, it's fantastic. I've seen it before. And it was only one time, though. I wanted to go back and check it out. It's a great movie. I strongly, strongly recommend this to close out the week. Bernie. Jack Black at his best. Highest recommendation. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. fucking awesome. So the reason I have not watched this movie, despite hearing many praises about it, is that, I mean, it sounds exactly like Weekend at Bernie's, right? And it's called Bernie? Oh, yeah. It couldn't be farther Uh, from that. Yeah. Isn't it like the same exact fucking plot? No. No? Because I read a blurb about it once, and it was like, you know, dude makes mm-hmm. guy, pretends dude's still alive so that he can well, like I don't know the, hang out. Let's just say the body with, like with the, the body sign. stays in the freezer. Some, like someone dies, someone yeah. dies. That's it though. That's it. That's you know, it. Some some blurb I read was overly it, like it went. Yeah, it definitely made it sound like that was the case. There's like hijinks, you know that there was hijinks. There's no corpse puppetry. I'll, I'll uh, tell you that. No, I'm <laughs> definitely not going to watch it. Oh, <laughs> shit! See now we're no, turning yeah, him off. Yeah. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. 
I, I would strongly strong, recommend it. Strong recommendation from both of you. I should check it out. That's true. And Matthew McConaughey's in it. So there you go. Isn't that fun? Oh, well, all right. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> and fucking old woman Shirley MacLaine. This is like one of her last roles. It's crazy. I know she's still alive. She's not dead. I'm not saying she's dead, but I've not seen her in a lot of movies recently. I'm just saying that. Want to have, have a chat about Guardian Tess again, Eric? <laughs> oh, that takes me back to the early days, man. I feel like we're doing Guardian episode Tess. five. Some Guardian <laughs> Test jokes, bring it, bringing them back. <laughs> uh, well, there it is, Guardian Test. Whatever you want to watch, watch a movie. But it's summertime. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna reduce my movie intake again this week, and I feel like I'm doing better. But movies are still fun, and winter will be here as soon as you know it. And we'll be watching a shitload of films once again. All right, now it's time for the main event on the Cinema Nine Ooh. podcast. We welcome you all. To talk about a film from 1989, directed by Joe Dante, as Travis mentioned earlier, the director of Gremlins and Small Soldiers and a lot of fun movies. It is The Burb. Right. I'm only trying to take a nap. I'm only laying here with my eyes closed trying to get some goddamn sleep. Quiet, 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 quiet. I wouldn't wake if it wasn't important. I think we flushed him out. Okay. The Klopex. Rumsfeld and I, we flushed him out. Wow. Yeah. We wrote a note. We slipped it under the door. We rang the bell and then we ran. You did that? Yeah. Oh, shit! Stupid Eric! I can't believe you! All I did was write, I know what you've done. That's all. I didn't sign it. Oh, I can't believe you! Stupid! Why did you... God! You gotta goose these people every once in a while. You gotta give them a little shot. Give them a little whack. Let them know that you're there. Jeez, good dog, Vince. Good dog. Go get it. Here's the Go thing, get it. though. All right, see, they're going to think that I did it. Yeah, they are. Why? Because the old guy, he saw me write a note and put it underneath Walter's door, so now they're going to think that I did it! You wrote a note and put it under the... I didn't know that. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we got him on the run now. Now they know that we know that they know that we know. Yes, it does matter. You did it, but they're going to suspect me! They're not going to suspect anybody. They're... You know what this is? It's a bone. It's a femur. It's a femur bone. A femur just happens to be a human thigh bone, right? Wait, how do you know that? Biology 101. I mean, look at the size of this thing. You think this came off a chicken or something? Where the hell did Vince get this? dug it up from underneath the fence. Ray. Ray, there's no doubt anymore. This is real. Your neighbors are murdering people. They're chopping them up. They're burying them in their backyard. Ray, this is Walter. No! About a nine on the tension scale, Rube. That's the only drop I got from the movie. Apparently. So. But it's still funny. Uh, you, yeah. you promised many drops. You got one drop. Ah, I'm such a failure, Travis. I we'll apologize. Quote it. We'll quote it instead. I, I feel I like we... I uh, let somebody down. I wanted to do something for society that people would approve of, but, you know, I'll keep trying. Well, Mike, yeah. Mike, what do you think a 10 on the tension scale would sound like? <laughs> oh, I got it right here. I'm not kidding. Check this out. Ah! 
There it is. Yes. That one's for audiences everywhere. Anyone right. going to bed tonight? Well, that was... Knowing that, I'd probably put Rube at like a five or a six. I mean, that's that's a high bar. My favorite oh, part. Wait. Wait. Uh, go ahead. Wait, I got another one. I'm sorry. Game with the frame. The game with the frame. All right. That's a good one. Courtney Gaines. Very important. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, this, this one selection. And as Mike already said last week, you know, typically the way our show works is um, we analyze shows, you know, movies and whether or not they hold up still. Uh, and this is one we, you know, we know from the start going in that we all love this movie tremendously. So we're just going to gush about it for a while. Where to begin? Well, I'd like to begin where we always begin. The first time I ever saw this movie, I think uh, was definitely on like HBO or like cable because I we didn't have a box copy of it. But somebody, it just came on TV one day, and I remember being in my early like 11, 10-ish, so 91-ish, and I just thought it was funny. I thought it was goofy, and I was enthralled by it, and yeah. it became rewatchable and rewatchable and rewatchable. And whenever we did get a copy, my old, my grandpa had a copy eventually, a VHS copy, and just burned that to shit. And I feel like I could quote a lot of this film to you all, as I'm sure <laughs> you guys could do to me. Yeah. I have a really good memory of this film. I, I, I actually don't remember the first time I watched it, but I do remember the second time I watched it, which was I was 10. So it was like, you know, like I watched it when it was new. And then again, when it was like shortly after while it was new, because like I was at my I was like staying with my uncle and he was like took took me to a friend's house of his. So like it was like entertain my nephew, throw got to rent some movies to, to entertain my nephew, give him a bunch of cherry coke and set him up in the corner. <laughs> so I just watched. So I remember just watching the Burbs and like it, I, I'd seen it before, but like this was the first time I, pr- I think I really paid attention. Again, I was like ah, nine or ten or whatever, maybe eleven, and just like this, this right here. They, like they had, he, they also ran a Dennis the Menace. I tried to turn that on, and like I turned it off and like put, put Burbs back on, watched it again. I'm like, yeah, this, this is the shit right here. <laughs> Fucking <Wow>. Burbs. So. <laughs> This can't be ignored. Am I am I looking at a Ray Peterson and Art Weingartner shirt? Yeah, I, I thought maybe you know him notice. Oh <laughs> no, my god, notice. that's awesome. <laughs> I uh, I had I've had this shirt for a few months, but I figured this was definitely the one to wear for today's episode. Yo, more <laughs> drops. Downloading yeah. drops. They're coming, they're coming out of nowhere. That, I didn't notice that shirt at all because it was just slightly different than their it's a drawing, so those of you yeah, can't hear drawing. those of you who are hearing it can't see. Thank you for admiring my unlicensed burb shirt. <laughs> it is yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I know I say it a lot, but if you were a resident of Brighton and you got your movies from the Meyer video store, it's <laughs> unlikely that you were ever able to rent the burbs because I had their their copy at my house. I would rent it every single time I went to go grocery shopping at Meyer. We watched it over and over and over again. Which is strange because I, I remember seeing, uh, in terms of when it comes to Hanks, not that this is related, but I saw Big in theaters, I saw Turner and Hoosh in theaters, I saw Dragnet in theaters, but I miss the Burbs in theaters, and yet I just watched this nonstop back in the day. Me and my older brother Marty would just sit there and watch it together and laugh, and it's some of my best favorite memories being a kid. I have to assume that you probably you probably call. <laughs> A lot of combos, a lot of combos, a lot of Fago rock and ride. Uh, I gotta tell you, I laughed a lot watching this last night. Like it, 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 it had admittedly been a few years since I watched it, but it still made me laugh multiple, multiple Out times. Loud. 
out loud and not one but two jokes that had gone by me on previous previous viewings came up you know yeah. i had never noticed before like a carrie fisher sex joke i'd never caught until last night i did i never caught when um uh <laughs> bruce dern says give me five I gotta, i've got to go set up a uh you know communications uh, thing and, and 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 uh and art's like trying to give him like a high five and like smack it at his hand and he walks away because he didn't know what he meant by give me five <laughs> <laughs> wow well I, I i laughed too it definitely still makes me laugh but you know i don't know what the rating is on this i purposely didn't look because i wanted to guess for the imd oh, yeah. rating i don't know either uh, i don't know I either. no idea all right cool uh what do you guys think i'm, uh, 8. I'm 8. 1. 8.1 okay 8. that's one. Well, I I know the critics were not kind, so I'm I'm gonna say eight point nine. I'm gonna say seven seven two. I'm gonna say this doesn't get a seven for a stupid reason, just because yeah, people man. are dumb. I'm gonna say it's like a six six. Yeah, my real guess is six nine. Oh, that's exactly what it is. Did you? Is it really? <laughs> it seriously is. Well All done, right. six wow. nine. All right. Okay. Well. I think that's uh we all agree that's kind of bullshit but hey you know we don't well, own not, IMDb. It's not terrible but I'll tell you guys I I I wonder I I wonder uh, I was thinking about this last night if one of the things that binds us together as a friend group is a mutual independent love of the burbs you know and similar things like it but like when I went to watch it last night, to my fucking amazement, it's not on Amazon Prime, it's not on Hulu, it's not on fucking HBO Max, it's not on anything. I had, I had to rent it through goddamn voodoo. I had to update my payment information. It took forever because my VPN was acting up. It was a big fucking to-do to get to watch this movie. I did the same thing. Yep. I, I had to rent it from Voodoo for I Christ's sake. Did you give YouTube a couple shots? Because it was like full movie on YouTube. I start watching it. It's like, here's how to keto diet. I'm like, God damn it. Oh, shit. <laughs> I looked at it. it too. Yeah, I rented it on Voodoo for God's sake. That's it's terrible. I don't know. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Is this uh, not guess... the cult classic that I thought that it was? I'm I guess I'm surprised. I've had Unless a copy they're coming forever. Out with, like, this is uh, what I got a copy new, of. But. Sometimes, I'm sorry, Mike. Sometimes, like, when they're about to unveil, like, a new Blu-ray or something, they'll restrict the streaming so they can make money off a, a physical copy. Yeah. But it's bizarre. Yeah, That's I'll keep an eye out. I'd like a you know 4K restoration or whatever, but uh, that'd be nice. But I mean, but at the same time, this movie's all shot in a fucking soundstage. It doesn't have to look <laughs> tremendous, you know. <laughs> it's the definition it, of a backlot movie. Yeah. This movie's all on a fucking backlot. Oh it's yeah. fucking hilarious. It was interesting watching it in HD, though. Yeah, for in part for that reason. Yeah, actually, when I watched it this time, I really was looking beyond the houses. Like, I noticed the mountain that is clearly right over. They try to zero in on, like, middle America. Giant, giant mountains mountain. in Iowa. <laughs> that was hey, the first that, time I ever thought about it like that. That opening shot, I, for one, I love it when movies will, like, incorporate the Universal logo or, like, the DreamWorks kid. Swing. You know, I love it when they do when they play with that. And this is Ooh, one of the best ever. Perfect, by the way. Then I'll, I'll check it out just Waterworld. for and, and the and the sequel. Uh, Waterworld no, no, got, a, no, no. got a great beginning uh, for that, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I love that intro to the Burbs, like zooming in, like that's some pretty good special effects for 1989. And real quick, uh, another thought I had, like I'm terrible with dates. I'm a historian that's terrible with dates. Most of my favorite movies, a lot of my favorite albums, if, they didn't, if it didn't come out in 1993, I probably don't know because for some reason mm -hmm. that number stuck in my head. But this is one of the only movies where I'm like, it's like Batman, you know, like 1989. Like it's off the top. Like, yes, Burbs, 1989. It's locked in. <laughs> Great year for movies, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, the 30 Beetlejuice, Jones. Think, right? Beetlejuice, 88. 88, I think. 88, I think. But, yeah, 
Eric knows. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's the whole thing about 89 in comedies, because I did a little research. Because in what we're about to find, Mike, the critics were not that kind to the Burbs, whereas they were in love with some other comedies in 89 that just no one talks about. Not We're No Angels, Driving Miss Daisy, like War of the Roses, like some decent pictures, but like no one talks about them. And yet they just slayed this. So it was a weird thing for 89 because dark comedy, this and Heather's both just got annihilated by credit critics. And yet, and now they're like two of the only movies people are going to like, no one's going to talk about fucking war, of the roses or even right. the Academy landslide that was driving Miss Daisy. No one talks about that. movie <laughs> unless they're joking. Man, that is fucked up shit, man. What a world we live in. But I got to tell you, Yes, Eric, you are right. 53% on the thermometer. That's a splat, which is just the dumbest thing you'll ever see. This might be one of the dumbest things you'll see on the internet. And I'm happy with that opinion. I really am. So much. 71. Yeah, there is so much. So much. <laughs> Number we used to go to uh, back in the 90s, we used to go to that stupid website, rotten.com. That was so dumb. Rot- we spent all rotten. day at com in the library. Miss Melosa was like, you guys, what are you doing? And we're looking like <laughs> decapitated human beings. Like, this is a fucked up shit. It's, we're, <sighs> teenagers are weird. No. Anyway, 71% is uh, audience score. That's so I'm actually surprised. I thought the audience score would be higher. 71. I want a little more from the audience on that, but I guess we can't have it all. As far as the critical bent, like Eric was mentioning, uh, there were people that uh, I guess just didn't get it. Here you go. Kevin Thomas from the LA Times. It's inconceivable that the burbs looked good on paper. Jeez. <laughs> that's sad. That's not that's yeah. not even that's not even fair. Because to me, to interject into our into our thing real quick, one of the things I like so much about this movie is this fits so neatly into a long-standing tradition of like, let's call it the what's he building in their film genre to reference Tom Waits. Like this is you know it's like this is Disturbia or Rear Window or like so many movies where it's just like from across decades where it's like. I don't trust the person on the other side of the fence. Like I don't trust my neighbor. Like this is a classic trope. And, but at the same time, an utterly idiosyncratic movie, completely unique. So I think it now, I don't know. That stands out to me. Interesting. Wow. I'd like to watch that. Is it a trilogy or is it like a series of movies? The, the burbs? No, the guy (laughs) doing weird shit in his house that we don't know about that whole series of films. Well, yeah. Rear window. And, uh, this reminds me a lot of uh, Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Remember that Twilight yep. Zone episode? It's basically totally the same thing, but like, I mean, just classic like 50s xenophobia before like is any Europeans came to town. But oh, yeah. uh, it's not it's an accident that these mildly. Yeah, it's not an accident that the Klopeks are foreign, right? They call them that. The foreigners is what Robesfield called yeah. them. Yeah. They're <laughs> all like the Slovak. Are they Slovak? Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not Slovak. They're German, but like they, they, they cut out a lot of like the literally like xenophobic comments made by like Ray and, and Mark and some of the other things, which I'm glad they don't get too into it, but it's, it's there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It we don't need there. to have that's... to be beat over the head of, and it makes sense for it to be there, but we don't, we don't need to be beat over the head with it. That's true. It's good balance there. Uh, Gene Siskel, may he rest in power. The script would like to be a horror film, Catching. a comedy and a commentary on suburban living. But it doesn't hit any target. It hits oh, all shit. of them. It, it hits all, all of those. All three targets admirably. <laughs> I know, yeah, you're dead and all, Gene, but come on, dude. That's a little bit harsh. Then Dessa Thompson. Oh, thank Dessa. God. 
We so miss you so much, Destin. Don't fucking let reason. us down. Came with the frame. Meant to be. Destin says, although it initially flares up on high concept firewood, this caper about nasty neighbors and curious klutzes gradually dies down into isolated crackles, sputters, and futs. P-H-U-T-S. Uh, I, I, I don't get this critique that a lot of critics... Where is this supposed to go? Obviously, there's going to be a confrontation with these neighbors and like this this band of, of heroes like going into their house and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. What do you want to have happen? For them to be like not murderers and for it to be all tidy and, and <laughs> you'd never watch it again if that was the case. It'd just be <laughs> typical. Yeah, it's like they traded places here. Roger Ebert's is... It looks like Roger did Dessens and Dessens did Rogers because Dessens was long, but Roger says a long shaggy dog story, period. So, I don't even know I, what the fuck that means. I don't even know what the fuck that means either. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not a big not fan of the shit. How about this Chevy one? Chase. A positive one. Yeah, <laughs> positive one for the road from Variety. Director Joe Dante funnels his decidedly cracked view of suburban life through dark humor in the burbs. There you go. That's more accurate. I mean, to me, this to, to, to bring in one of our own reviewers... One of the things I love so much about this movie is its unevenness, and it, because it actually it actually does that really really well. Like it 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 there's like these tonal shifts, like almost constantly back and forth between comedy and horror and all kinds of stuff. And and then and it but it's not afraid to be just completely stupid. Like for instance, yes. when when it cuts to Queenie going to poop on Rumsfeld's lawn, and that music like the the barking sample. I love that. Goldsmith, I mean, amazing. Love that. Or like, or like when uh, when Ray and Art are getting ready to walk up to the house for the first time, and everything goes full spaghetti western unnecessarily. The slow yeah. zoom into every face, and then again, Queenie the dog, like, like, which is just so dumb. But like, it's not trying to be any. Like, it's just a yeah, I, hilarious comedy. The the critics, uh, you know, like, give, they give it shit for not being like edgy or satirical enough. But did they not know Joe Dante? I mean, this is a filmmaker who makes live action cartoons throughout the 80s. I think Dana Olson, the writer and the filmmaker, could have made it more like something like Blue Velvet if they wanted to comment on suburbia in that respect. It's a stupid cartoon. It's a slapstick. I mean, you've got someone breaking the fourth wall. You've got a, a close-up on a dog's point of view. I mean, it's supposed to be exactly <laughs> what it is, and it does it perfectly. And opinion. the music, the Jerry Goldsmith's music is so great. All oh, yeah. of it. All the music that's used in this. The oh, goofy, like so you said. The boop, 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 boop. I love that. that we talk, that, uh, I, I go on and on about fucking dumb comedy scores. How they're always just like, bum, 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 bum. This is a, actually a really beautiful score, gr gr beautiful orchestra. It's sweeping. It's like Americana, but also it has these horror elements. It's one of my favorite score of the eight, scores of the 80s. I completely agree with you. It's so important to the story. It really is. Like Travis was saying, it creates these moments, and it also puts your perspective on certain situations depending on the scene. They're... They're trying to put you into, yeah, this is horror now, or this is a scary movie, this is a thriller. Yeah. It's not just a bunch of people farting around in their neighborhood. So the music really does that in this film a lot more than some other films. He literally plays his own score to Patton when it when they introduce yes! Rumsfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. There's like they there's like a kind of a 
it's almost like a late motif for for some of the characters not all of them and speaking of introducing rumsfeld that is one of the best film introductions i can think of of a character the way he strolls out the fucking music comes ripping in with, with, with just and it's like you know it's 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 in in the, the movie right i forget what they call that uh when like you know it's actually like the characters are listening to it so he opens his door right as the rock and roll kicks on and you know fucking comes out with the shades it's so cool it's all the only one that almost rivals it is henry gibson's entrance when he comes up in the basement stairs <laughs> and you see like his shadow get bigger and bigger and bigger that was a really great intro too you do not Fool me. No, you don't. No, you don't. Ah. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the burbs here. We love the burbs, obviously. It's very clear from all of us. But one of the things I want to talk about was Joe Dante. He does an incredible... Beautiful, Travis. Joe Dante does an amazing job. Whoever does it, I don't know if it's him or the casting directors that he always works with, but he, he casts these smaller roles in his, his films so well. Like Small Soldiers, for example. Like... Phil Hartman is the neighbor. Like, and Phil Hartman is a big deal by then in 1998. But he's just playing a part of this entire story. And in this movie with fucking Duke Common, this is the best Duke Common role there ever was. Yeah. I know Duke Common's been around, but this is the best one. It's as good as it gets. And that little piece of of acting from his character and Bruce Dern is elite. And Corey Feldman is the bozo teen. All of these little pieces come together with Henry Gibson, as you said. And, it's always a part of a Dante movie that I think makes a difference. Casting doesn't have to be everything, but in Joe Dante movies, it generally seems like it it brings up the movie a little bit more. So in Dante is this huge student of 50s B movies. And in all of those classic, like it, it came from another planet, Plan 9 from Outer Space, you have just these people coming, these day players coming in for these one-liners and they stand out. So he does that in all of his movies, especially oh, with Picardo and Robert Picardo, who I love yes. and explores. Yes. But both, both who are also in the howling as we, as we mentioned Picardo, but also Dick Miller and, and, you know, like it's just so nice to have Dick Miller, like in any remote horror or cult film or like just, just having Dick Miller show up is just like that thumbprint, like a stamp of approval, you know, it's just like you're you're into some good territory now. Dick Miller's in your movie. <laughs> when it comes into like the, the fantasy dream is like, oh, that's got to hurt. It's, it's just fun. The granddaddy of all dream sequences, Mike, or what? I mean, this is a huge dream. Yes, sequence. Mike, come on. You know, that actually doesn't bother me. I'm going to give it a pass. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it it was so much a part of Ray's psyche and Ray's psyche in this movie is definitely a part of the story because he's. It's a hinted at, and I've always wondered what exactly, I mean, obviously he's stressed out, right? He's got stomach issues, ulcers maybe, uh, work bums him out. He can't seem to chill and relax. He's got high anxiety in a period where nobody would be labeled quite, if it was 2020 and this movie was made, he'd be like, yeah, I've got anxiety disorder, you know, and I take uh, drugs for that. But well, he's, he's pissed. I mean, going back to that dream sequence, I think it works because it, it it's clearly a dream. So they have fun with it. Whereas so many dream sequences, yeah. they just yes. fool you as a fucking audience member. That's a that's really, a good, really point. good That is a, exactly it is. That's yeah. it. That's what it fucking is. I didn't know. I didn't know exactly what it was, but you nailed it. Well done. Now, on the other hand, I do have a big bone to pick with that sequence real quick. And it's actually not with that sequence. It's, it's is it what a femur comes, bone? Femur bone. <laughs> we, we'll return to that later because i got some points about that too but but before the dream sequence scene like directly before that scene 
Dukeman and Hanks are suddenly it cuts to Dukeman and Hanks suddenly like are talking about Satanism. And I don't know where the fuck this book came from. Like they just like one of them just owns this Necronomicon, I guess. And, <laughs> and uh, so they and they, yes. they're like and as they're talking about it, again, before the dream sequence, Dukeman says to, to Hanks, he goes, this wasn't a dream. This was a premonition. Like, what, what was it a dream? It was a premonition. Like, I think the scene is literally out of order in the film. <laughs> Satan is good. Satan, Satan is, is good. your foul. <laughs> Satan is friend. Yeah, Satan I is dig it. I love, I love all that stuff because, like, in the 80s, like, what were suburbanites afraid of? It, the satanic panic, man. We had like our kids like playing yeah, Dungeons and Dragons, being like having it very possible that you could bring Satan into your very own home, dabbling into this and in, into the occult. So that's I really did. Point. No, that's a really good point. I wish that the connection had like you know had been a little more obvious because they basically go from like talking about Skip, who was a murderer, and I really dug the Skip story. Like this is the old urban legend that we're building the new urban legend, um, but like. But like there, there's like no reference whatsoever to Satanism until the book and and then the dream. But but you're right hmm. that the, the Satanic Panic owned the '80s. So and and you contextualize it, it does make perfect sense. That is true. Yeah, everybody was obsessed with Satan and backwards oh my God, lyrics yeah. back then. What the fuck? Fucking, there was even I, fucking lawsuits. People were charged with murder for. Oh, oh so yeah, dude, I yeah. remember my mom like asking me if I played Dungeons and Dragons like in the late eighties. Oh like that's like, <laughs> a cool memory because like that was like the the era. What a scary time to be like a daycare center worker because like these people were getting sued left and right. Like not just be like <laughs> not just be like you're bad at your job or even like you're a pedophile. It's like you skin children alive. <laughs> We're going to fucking drag you through the mud in public. Like, what the fuck is this? Good thing that's all gone away, QAnon. Oh. Hey, this movie, This movie is a simple comedy on the surface, but what it does really well is it sticks to a lot of details. Like, when, when Art comes over the first time, he's trying to... First off, it, that's probably the most absurd thing in the movie, that he's shooting a rifle in a little <laughs> cul-de-sac neighborhood in the backyard. So Seriously. Reckless. So yeah. reckless. In a movie of absurdities, yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. But right. he comes into the house and he starts pounding food. Art likes to pound food, but it, that little time where he grabs the dog food and he doesn't realize it because he's just eating everything, and they don't say anything about it. You just gotta catch it. He's like, "Oh god, it's fucking hilarious." Those really? little really? details. You're gonna take my pineapple? We had plans for that, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to go down to the deli and uh, get one of those subs? <laughs> I didn't know that he had uh, that he had passed away, but that does kind of explain uh, where where he went. He was a good one, Rick Dukeman. He was very funny, uh, and that's one of the things about the movie. It's interesting to watch. Like you know, like there's a lot of people that have passed that are in the film. We talked about Dick Miller and, and then Carrie Fisher, but I had maybe the biggest uh, um, what do they call it? Fucking um, Mandela effect moment. I, I think of my uh -huh. entire life. For some reason, it's always evolved around celebrity deaths for me. But I was certain that Bruce Dern was long dead for like I thought that like um I thought that uh Hollywood uh, you know once upon a time in Hollywood was like his like his farewell to film. The man's alive and well uh, yeah. as of this recording. I don't know why I was I mean like I have a very clear memory of the man dying, but I guess that was in a different timeline. I don't know. You know, Tony so Bennett's alive still too. These people I knew just that. don't die. It's crazy. I knew that. Yeah, so. some people just fucking live forever. Yeah, Bruce Dern, fuck, he, I want more Bruce Dern roles. He had a pretty Hell good yeah. 2010s. He had a Dude, nice 2010 I, I looked him up on IMDb. Like, not only was has he, like, been working since, uh, you know, um, 
God, I keep forgetting the name of it. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, he's done, like, four or five movies a year for the past, like, six years. He's just cranking them out. I've never seen any of this shit. I don't know where it's going, but uh, he's still working. He's got I the only he's, uh, yeah. he's got the very distinct um I don't know if you'd call it well, I call it a prize because John Wayne can go go to hell. But he's the only person that ever killed John Wayne in a movie. Uh the shootest Ooh. by Ron Howard in seventy nine. Wow. And Rance Howard's in this movie. Weird. Wow, weird. That is a Mandela effect. <laughs> well, that's not Mandela effect, but it's interesting. I he's swear not- that was Ron Howard at the end. That is Wayne Girl at the end as the cop. Was it? Oh shit, is it? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, the, the, white cop, the, the white cop at the end. Wow. Yeah. That, it was really exciting to see a person of color. Of course, they made him a cop at the end. I'm like, like at one point, there's a, there's the black cop at the end, and then there's even like a black EMT in the background. Like they both share the screen at the same time. Like there it is. There's two black people in this movie at oh the my same God, time. Finally. <laughs> it, it is an accurate representation of that neighborhood, though, because they're yeah, probably right, racist, right. and they have like a oh, yeah. those rules what do they call those things these the uh, neighborhood racist, covenants uh, yes thank you yeah, those were real <laughs> what the those were not is, fake. what the fuck is going on with this <laughs> like with this ending like they're, they're they didn't like even like clear off the street like you've got like a, like a group of people behind a thing and yet like the prime suspects are just like wandering around talking to their wives no one's <laughs> dealing with the fire like it's when, like a free-for-all when uh when the the doctor and uh and and ray come rolling out of the ambulance and they're like like fighting to the death like on the ambulance like there's cops in the background like still like like guarding the crowd like like doing <laughs> crowd work and, like pushing them back and stuff not interested in the people trying to murder each other like right next to them <laughs> oh you're right i mean that's just absurdity it, it, at the end of the movie it's just out of this world absurdity and yeah, at the end i don't even care else. yeah because i've already okay. had a lot of fun with the movie at that point right. i was like I, I never. I'm not going to criticize it. I'm not going to look at it with a critical no. lens because I just don't fucking care to. No, because no. it's dumb. It's supposed no. to be dumb. No, I mean, I you know, I I point. I mean, I you know, it's there are some things that I'm you know, like I pointed out, like the dream sequence thing seems a little out of order, and and admittedly there was. I mean, like you know, to, to get my last criticism out of the way, um, I'll I'll tell you guys right now, if in my life ever I stumble across a femur bone, a human femur bone. I am going to take it to the police. It's gonna and, and that would be the end of the movie for me. At the very, I, mean, I certainly would show my wife, who would probably not be like, well, "That's an interesting bone. Let's let's bring brownies over to the person who owns that human bone. <laughs> Go in their home. Let's force our way into their home. That's a good idea. That happens within an hour of finding the bone. I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Oh there's God. no outside world though. It's even amazing the cops show up at the yeah. end of the movie because there's no outside world for three quarters of this movie you know dude, it just suddenly has to part. dude we don't have to like go to like the store and see like a clopex shopping we don't have to like see them at like the football game like it's all in this <laughs> yeah, neighborhood it's so centralized and claustrophobic it's i love that they just take it just takes place on this one street i hate cul-de-sacs and naked ladies walking around <laughs> yeah that's great and those guys both those guys are always in dante movies too yeah we were three. talking yeah. about that when you walked away yeah yeah, yeah. I, I gotta tell you yeah that that's what I like about this film, though, is that it's it allows itself to be that way. It, allow, it allows it to be in this one world, and it pulls it off. You know, there isn't even like a there's a kid riding a bike in the beginning, the newspaper boy. That's true. But I remember I made <laughs> a comment to you guys. Uh, sorry, but the, I love yeah. the coffee splash. <laughs> like that's instinctual. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's I'm sure that was improv. That's great. So Tom funny. Hanks improv. I bet there's several several improv moments from him in this movie, but. 
you know, I think I texted you guys a couple months ago, but I got annoyed. Why does every movie that's about like a neighborhood has to have somebody riding on a bike and then some incident happens? You know, it's really, it's a random and specific thing, I admit. But uh, You're right. They, You're didn't, right. they didn't even do that in this movie. The kid throws some newspapers, that's it. And they never get out of that cul-de-sac. We watch a full movie about it, and it's still fun. It's amazing. I love also that like um, both Dukeman and uh, Hank's character, they're like, are like um man i uh i'm on vacation i uh i'm gonna just stay at home i'm gonna fucking stay at home because i mean like that's that's me too dude like just staycation like i mean it it drives them both crazy within a matter of days but like why go anywhere when you got your home (laughs) your neighbor would get drunk with the giant head and falls over nobody wants to but that's that's the funny thing like watching this for the first time as a as a homeowner, like literally I got the same deal going on. Like the dude next door is an old man. I've never seen him. I've lived here for a year. I've never seen him. His house is dilapidated. Like, like, so I don't know if I go over there and introduce myself. I just kind of stick to myself because like, from what I understand, like he's taken care of. So I just stick to my own. And then the guy over here is like this dipshit that like will mow my lawn. Like when I tell him, like when I don't even ask him to. So like, there's these weird little like suburban <laughs> complexities going on. Yeah. And like watching this at, at 40, did you guys think to yourself like, Christ, we're like seven years older than like Ray and like art in this. And like, they're so domesticated. And this is only like a generation ago. You just don't see like guys at this age, like nowadays, just being in this suburban environment. It just struck me as a little bit odd. That's, that's a mean, good point. Uh, yeah. I actually was annoyed by the fact that the dog, Queenie, is always shitting on Rumsfield's lawn, but apparently it's not good for the grass. I feel like shit would be good for the grass. No, that always bothered me. It kills grass. Come on. It you, does? You, you've had dogs. But here's the thing. As a dog owner, this this old man is going to yeah. talk to the strangers who he's never spoken to before. Please watch my mail, but I'm just going to let my dog out the back. This dog I'm clearly obsessed with. Yes. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to arrange for anyone to watch this dog. I'm just going to. Uh, go it's very not only that, like <laughs> in an emergency like i'm possibly having a stroke make sure the clopex get my mail <laughs> right right that that's 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 whatever so um, fertilizer is good for the lawn but it's not dog shit it's got to be like specific it, fertilizer well fertilizer is like you know it's kind of it's been gone through a process it's not like it's not like you're just dumping pure shit on your yard oh i thought, uh, I thought like goose shit was just thrown on the yard and it grows grass that's how dumb i am well, I mean, you're not an agriculturist. That's okay. Uh, what, one of the things that I was uh, really fascinated to go back to like the, the house and it's dilapidated this. Um, I was listening to uh, um, something about uh, Halloween, the movie Halloween recently. And like John Carpenter was talking about how when, you know, when he wrote that, it was based in part on like every neighborhood's got that one house. Like my neighborhood had like we called it happies. Cause like it was the guy that, that was the name of the, the person. It was where our bus stop was for some ungodly reason, but it was where this guy lived that there was all kinds of stories about this gentleman. And like every, and like there was his house itself was not scary, but like every neighborhood has like some house that, that people just avoid, or they have stories about. And, and I thought that was really cool about this movie, but at the same time, 
the Naps, you know, the Nap family who who gets murdered by the Klopeks, the Naps lived there before, and clearly they're the ones who did not keep up with the house or the yard or anything. The Klopeks <laughs> have only been there for a fucking yes, month. Man. They've only been there for a fucking month, and people are like, these people, their old house burned down. Neighbors from hell. I have no empathy for my fellow human. <laughs> it's just like, expecting like, a full renovation in a month. Right. They like they just moved in. They're like, what the fuck? Bees? Why do they have bees in their house? Like, it's like they just moved in. This is not fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, every neighborhood does have that house. I remember when I was a kid growing up in Livonia, the house on the end of the block. We all thought the guy was like a kidnapper. We seriously thought that. We're just fools. But it looked kind of... You probably had reason to think that. It looked less than other houses. That's Uh, all. Dude, I grew up in Livonia. The guy at the end of the street, his name was Gil. He was fucking creepy. And to this Ah! day, I'm still scared of that name. If someone's name is Gil, I'm fucking scared. By the way, when Travis said happies, I mean, he thought, eat happies when you're hungry for some garbage and you need some food. Yeah, no, I take that back. His name wasn't happy. I was thinking of the pizza place, too. No, his name was Smiley because he smiled constantly. And he had a he had a car that he told he come every now and then he'd come like padding out into the driveway while we were like waiting for the bus to come out and tell us about how his car levitated and ran on the magnetic technology. We're like, oh, okay, holy shit. Wait, isn't Mr. Smiley, the song by the Mustard Plug, is actually about like a murderer guy, kind of like fucking... Uh, Believe me, I remember that song, him. and I thought of Smiley, my neighbor, slash place where yeah, the school district thought was appropriate Mr. for us Smiley. to wait for. So I mean, talking about the Klopex, like, is if they make this nowadays, would they have the Klopex just be like regular citizens from, like, immigrants from Germany, and like, they were the monsters all along, just like Tom Hanks' speech professed? Or do you think they'd go full out like silly, like they actually were serial killers? And is it a better movie if they aren't actually the killers? Because it, I, I bring up the monsters are doing on Maple Street because that because that's like the the beautiful point of the the story that that people when they're paranoid and and fear does crazy things to people. Is it a more interesting story if the Klopeks are not murderers? I actually think yeah. And it, it would be because one of the biggest, <laughs> I mean, what this is the second week in a row we've watched a movie where, where someone's digging a hole in a stranger's basement or like someone else's basement. But like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you, you're digging up the whole backyard, which can't you tell where they dug? Okay. But you're going to dig up their basement and just, you hit the fucking gas line, dude. You blow up their house. This is the dumbest shit anyone's <laughs> ever done. And so, yeah, it actually would be kind of cool for that to have been the end to be like, well, it turns out we were the fucking monsters all along. I'm happy with the way it goes. I mean, I've got no complaints about this movie. It's 10 out of 10. Don't get me wrong. But uh, but yeah, I, I do think that like it would have been equally good had it ended at that point. <laughs> you keep a horse in the basement? <laughs> yeah, and who would be afraid of a Great Dane? Have you ever met a Great Dane? That dog was like barking at Rick Dukeman, like, "Come back and pet me! Come back and pet me!" <laughs> I've never seen so, a Great Dane in real life. Uh, they're very friendly. So, Doctor Klopek says they're going to the university, which I assume is in town because that's why they moved there to discuss a transfer. How long did they fucking think they were going to be gone? Wait, but. <laughs> No, better question. How did they construct that giant fucking furnace in the basement? And if and why do that if they're only going to live there for a couple of months and you bury bodies in your backyard and throw and, them away anyways? Okay, I'm, I'm barely, I'm still being critical. Sorry. And why is he like you saw a skull in my furnace? We've got a 5,000 degree furnace, according to art. They didn't take care of the skull. Like, 
I, I don't know about this. Yeah, now we're... Doesn't hold I mean, up. <laughs> yep. Here we go. I mean, we've done it to Joe Dirt. We could do it to this movie, but it's not going to happen because no. there's too much joy. What else yeah. can we talk about this? I, I love the music. I covered that. I love the detail. There's so much to love in this movie. The actors, everything. I mean, the, guy, the guy that plays... Brother Theodore that plays Ruben. I'm very amused. I, my whole life, the, the whole... Klopak, what is that? Slavic? No. Which is so funny. But, it, you know, as I watched it last night, like waiting for that moment to come, what I really found myself laughing at was 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 Ruben staring at Ray the whole time. He like looks away just long enough to look at at, at Rumsfeld and be like, no. And then goes resumes just looking sideways like askance, you know, <laughs> at, at Ray, just like the most unsettling stare down. It's so. Fun. But again, like why why wouldn't he? These people just force their way into his house. They're very rude. Yeah, these people are dicks. It's a there's a whole we haven't I don't think we maybe we haven't discussed this, maybe we did. Uh there's a whole kind of meditation on like <laughs> the suburbs, because it's called the burbs. And people who it's live true. in these neighborhoods, like like the guy who says the cul-de-sac, people are crazy living cul-de-sac, and people who point at each other in a mob, even though these people end up being murderers, that's a negative for them. But the fact that these people are just bored out of their minds even though they seem to have everything they wanted they wanted this life they wanted to be in the burbs you would assume they they all built this life to have a family and live in this lovely little neighborhood but they're bored they're confused they're i don't know a little bitter maybe i don't know it's very interesting there's a lot I, I, more I, that we could talk about on that subject i literally live in hinkley hills because like like the cops came to like my my dude across the street's house one time the second the blue and red came on my neighbor was out there just like in the street watching so like everyone's fucking nosy, yeah. and and it it, it it happens. Like mow their lawn forty five hundred times. Uh, <laughs> unless you wanted to say something, Travis, I wanted to make sure we talked a little bit about uh, Carrie Fisher because she is like a known ghostwriter in Hollywood. Yeah, and she actually tossed a lot of lines to the cast and crew when she was there. Dana Olson did because they hired him as an actor just so he could do that and get out away from the writer's strike loopholes. But Gary Fisher threw a lot of lines at Hanks and in particular, um, um, Bonnie, the, the woman that Wendy Shaw plays, which I thought was pretty cool. That's great. Cause I feel like she's a little underutilized. In, in yeah. The film. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And like six years after being like the most beautiful woman in the world in return of the Jedi, she's very like, well, I don't know if I should say this or not, especially 2021, but like she always just seemed like really like matronly and like, yeah, like she like all that sex appeal was just, I, I don't know. I, I got no problem with Terry Fisher. Yeah, I better stop there. You, can you know what I mean? Like, I never saw her as like this hot woman. She just seemed like Ray's wife, even though she was like this, this beautiful woman that was Princess Leia. Well, yeah, by that point, too, in this movie, she's in the throes of addiction pretty heavily as well. Uh, she helped Corey was- Feldman a lot on the set going through his shit, too. Yeah, Michael Jackson was on the set, too, guys. Isn't that fun? Because he was what? friends with Corey Feldman, and Bubbles was there. The Bubbles the monkey. Was he the really? chimpanzee. Wow. He was. Isn't that how, fun? About, how about Corey Feldman's imitation Batman shirt? That's a pretty fun little Yeah, little you know, I actually noticed that for the first time watching this movie. I'm, yeah. I'm like, like wow, what does it about, say? What does it say quite, in the wording? I don't know. What, I, I, don't know what, I couldn't read the wording, but I just noticed that the Batman symbol is not quite right. That was pretty funny. <laughs> how about Nikki Katz? Uh skull skate shirt when rick dukeman and his brother peter created skull skates in 1979 oh i didn't know that that's very cool yeah wow, wow. How about interesting that? ray your wife's home 
Nobody <laughs> wants that. Nobody wants to deal with that mess. And we never got to meet his wife either. Does she ever on scene? I don't think she's no, ever on camera. No, she's not on you camera. don't need to. It's the same thing with a kid. Like, like you don't have to like cut to the kid like doing his own investigation. Like, who cares? Just keep <laughs> it with the adults. But the kid's good. But the kid's on the camera. He's actually solid. I thought I like. I'm like I want a little bit more of this kid. What's going on here? I want him to get in the hijinks. But they did me a favor and kept him out because I do get annoyed with children in movies. So thank you for that. Well, the parents become kids, the so I think that's the, the the point. That's why I love that scene. When it's like, please, go let him come out. Like, who hasn't done that? We're like, oh, you so got to hang out with a guy you really don't know that much, but, like, you just hang out anyway. <laughs> um, I do think that, to go back to your point about, like, the, the neighbors kind of all coming out to watch this, like, the people in the burbs are dying for something like this to happen they're fucking dying for something like this to happen they eat this shit up like the, the they're really like leaping to conclusions and they're like uh just way out of line left and right and they just you know happen to to stumble into being right which is i think you know i mean it would have been fun it would have been interesting had they had the clopex and been killers but ultimately that that is the fun part is that they is that they blunder into discovering the truth that they that they were right all along um it's funny yeah Oh, I agree. I, I wanted to read this real quick. This is from Joe Dante in the, the book, The Film of Tom Hanks, 1996 book. The Films of Tom Hanks. Joe Dante said, I can't think of many pictures since Lifeboat, never heard of it, that all take place in the same area. There was a lot of temptation to broaden it and go outside the neighborhood, but it seemed to violate the spirit of the piece. It's almost the kind of thing that could be a stage play, except that you could never do on stage what we've done in this movie. So that's... He's right. Because I mean, you're watching, you're watching like the the mental decline of, of, of Ray. Right. So like, <laughs> um, in particular, and, and a lot of it is, is his neighbor arts influence. His paranoia is rubbing off on him. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the claustrophobic feeling of what's going on in the, in the film. Now you have two Ray. I don't know what Ray's deal is. I think Ray's just a curious, annoying motherfucker. That's who, not Ray. Uh, art is art is a curious, annoying, a, a nosy neighbor, classic nosy neighbor. But Ray has, issues he's got mental health issues he's got anxiety going on there's a whole other movie that could have happened within this with him and old rumsfield rumsfield's ptsd he was in vietnam it's clearly established either vietnam i assume most likely um, yeah vietnam would have been right southeast asia we'd call the bad car yeah, yeah, yeah so i love it right. so he's paranoid I, he has ptsd from this you have two characters that are actually dealing with some serious shit and there could be a different movie that this goes in i, I think about it on occasion but i still like i don't know movie. if i'm willing to uh prescribe like i diagnose him as mentally ill i mean like uh is that that's not mentally ill i mean that's like when i'm like when i'm around the house and i've got like a four-day weekend and i'm married i got the kid now like i don't want to mow the lawn i don't want to do shit i just want to literally just fucking sit there and not do anything so especially with this viewing like i totally would just want to sit in my backyard with a six or a strobe's light and just not do shit. Like, I don't know if he's uh, anxious. I just think like he's overwhelmed and, and needs uh, some me time. Uh, can we fund this? Can we fund Burbs to play? Steve Laskowski <laughs> says, yes, please. He wants Burbs to cast the stage nowadays. Play. Yeah. Who would you cast nowadays in a contemporary uh, adaptation? Uh, just, just, to Colin Hanks. just to go back real, real, real quick. I mean, I like, I think for one, anxiety is not like a mental illness. That's a, that's a, completely common you know thing that people you know i have that the plenty of people have it's not it's not yeah. a men, it's not mentally ill it's a disorder it's a mental it, disorder but if, yeah, it's not yeah, an illness not, illness needs really. to go away yeah i'm um, with you i'm with you and and then also like he's he's clearly driven to like uh aggravation to the point you know when he's like flopping take me to the hospital i'm sick <laughs> you, know, you know like he's clearly like he has uh, like some sort of break I mean, i'm not saying like he's i'm only trying to get some goddamn sleep 
which I have like I, I, more than anything, I sympathize with that moment in the film. Where I, I think I've done that. Like I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just lying here with my eyes closed. <laughs> but uh, to your point, uh, casting it today, casting it today. Uh, you know, um, the first person that comes to mind, I don't know that you're going to agree with, but uh, yes, for for Tom Hanks, that's exactly who I was thinking was Seth Rogen. Well, I I, I thought you'd bring that up because I actually really (laughs) like Neighbors, the Seth Rogen and Zac Zac Efron film, which is kind of similar to this. Which was a remake of Aykroyd and Belushi, right? So, or did the the Belushi not end up being in it? yeah, it's terrible. There, that, it was original. It's awful, apparently. I've never seen it, but <laughs> I've heard it of is it. A rem- it was a remake of that movie. But I, 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 Rogen, I can see that. I feel like uh, the Ray character has to be someone who's got a little bit of a can emote a little bit more. Like Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is hard to replace. So, I yeah, Tom Garfield. I, I don't know. Someone, uh, ah! someone that can uh, be serious and panicky at the same time. Yes, um, you yes. know. Um, yeah, so. Jared well, Leto. I think Jared Leto would be ideal. No, 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 no. he does not have the comedy chops. Oh, well, Jared Leto would play Rumsfeld. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Leto as Rumsfeld is not actually that bad. He's too young, but <laughs> yeah, Harris was Rumsfeld. It'd be kind of funny. Yeah, Harris as Rumsfeld is pretty good. <laughs> Oh shit! Well, fuck, man. We have talked about this movie for a long time. And... We can talk about it another hour. I'm down. <laughs> hey, hour two, ready? Break. Do it. But uh, you know this, this movie holds up. We know that, right? We so, know that. We don't need to go around like we ordinarily do and ask we're everyone to hold up. We're not going to do that this week, right? Right. We don't need to. Do Bizarre that. that Dana Olson's only like real big credit was a movie I actually really like: Memoirs of an Invisible Man, a John Carpenter. No. Yeah, I mean, with the script this good, I'm surprised he didn't have a a few more like dark comedies. He he did Whoa. do some other stuff though, didn't he? That's just the that's just the other big thing that he did. Am I wrong? Doi. Oh yeah, George, George. George of the, the Jungle, Jungle Inspector Gadget. Gadget. Yeah, you know. oh, oh my God! What yeah. the hell? About a nine on the tension scale, Rob. Kind of so fell dumb. Off, I guess. But, is uh, this so? You said this is a comedy to me. Do you guys call it a you call it a horror movie or you want to call it like a comedy no, I, horror? I, I would yeah, I mean I would call it like a, a horror comedy or maybe just a black comedy, but there's there's there's, there's horror elements. I think. Definitely, I, I agree with that. Not but just the me, dream sequence, but in particular the dream sequence. <laughs> is this a top three comedy for you guys all time? Can it crack a top three? Oh, or is Jesus. that too hard? Is that too high? That's that's a high. That's a tall order. I mean, um, that's yeah, this is this is a top ten. I mean. It's hilarious. There's no doubt. And like you said, Travis, to laugh out loud, and you've seen this a million times, yeah. just seeing it recently, that's saying so much. That's what I'm saying. To me, this I, is a yeah. top five comedy for me all time. It really is. I'd I probably just... put it in my top five 80s movies, maybe. Um, that I'll, I'll say that. I could well, that's still that. a very, very, yeah. very high standing. Oh, yeah. There's no, a lot I, of movies I, from that. I, this, is, this is top tier. This is upper echelon. And, it, yeah. and again, like it, it clearly doesn't it like doesn't have like, you know, if this isn't Sam Mendes, this isn't Roger Deakins, no, this isn't no. like, you know, uh, this isn't. But at the same time, this is just one of the most joyful, funny, but also yeah. like it satisfies in different ways. Right. Because it, it, it gets the funny bone, but it does hit that horror element stuff, too, that I eat up with a goddamn spoon. So like this, this covers a lot of ground for me and the, and the yeah. nostalgia, of course. And it's it's ninety three minutes. It's short and it's um, it's fun to watch. Like the like you don't see a lot of comedies. I hate to harp on this, but nowadays 
where the director really has a huge voice in it. Normally, <gasps> nowadays, you just film the script. But Joe Dante, his footprint is on it so much. It's just so enjoyable to watch. Every scene is just so funny to watch, the way it's shot. Yeah, you're right. He, he's like almost like a character himself. Yeah. In a, in a way that's not distracting. That's a right. good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Outside of his you know, dramatic work, some of his hardcore Philadelphia, all, you know, Saving Private Ryan. This is probably my Hanks favorite too? Tom Hanks yeah. uh, comedy. I love Dragnet. I think Dragnet's very, very funny as well. But I think this is definitely the his best effort in outside. Actually, of drama. Forget the other rom-coms and shit. This is my favorite Tom Hanks movie outside of his dramatic efforts. I speaking of uh, Tom Hanks' dramatic efforts, was anybody else thrilled at the moment when he's like comforted watching Mister Rogers and thinking to yourself, "You're going to play him yeah. someday, very, very well." Yeah. He's like <laughs> oh, mouthing yeah. the song very subtly, Love and then it. like he goes to go yeah. turn it off because he realizes what he's doing. Then he's like, "He's like, oh, then he's like, no, I'm not going to turn it off. I'm just going to leave it on. Why would I? Why would I be ashamed of this?" We had that it. exact same Magnavox, that wood trim mag. I swear, we had that exact same TV at my dad's in like 1989. Uh, we, we had the same Woody, uh, old the Volkswagen that uh, the you know that they derived. That oh that, yeah, that car. The, yeah, yeah the, the, the classic Woody uh, Volkswagen or whatever the, the wood fuck panel yeah. station wagon. <laughs> yeah, station wagon. That's what I was grew up in for. Yeah, classic. Classic. What else can you say, Mike? I think we said it all. I mean, yeah. unless there's something you're dying to get out, we've covered nineteen The Burbs. And it's we a, want to thank a... Travis for that. You're welcome, guys. I made that movie and I did it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's hey, a delightful you know... film. You know, it holds up goddamn real well. Um, such a unique and fun film. If you haven't watched it in a while, do so. It's it's you can get it on Voodoo and Voodoo only if you want to stream it. <laughs> it's true. This also it's timeless too. Like there's no yeah, bogus shit in this movie. We're like, "Ooh, that's cringe There really isn't. Like it's just it, it shows you that you can make a movie in any time and just have it be enjoyable and it could stand the test of time without, I don't know, creeping into waters where it's like, oh boy, that's really of its time. Sure, it's about the yeah. burbs. We still have burbs. Yes, technology's changed. We got the internet and shit now. There's other gadgets we have, but this is based... It is funny that he mentions, I think about going and getting uh, one of those new electric garage door openers. <laughs> really? That was not new like, by then? I like the part where he's like, he gets new tools from his, you know, he's like showing off his tools. It's so real. He's like, you're going to build something with that? I don't know. Probably. No, you're fucking not. You're not going to build anything ever. <laughs> you know what? Another thing I didn't mention is like, I, I I love the Ricky character, not only because he's just like a fun teenager, like an 80s, but like, I love the relationship he has with like the adults. You don't see that a lot. Usually it's just like, buzz off, you little asshole. Like, yes, he's friendly with them and they respect him. He respects them. And it's, it's yeah. totally cool. That's great. I do want to yeah, stress no that uh, if you do intend to watch this, Voodoo is a V-U-D-U. It's a streaming service. You might have to buy the film. You don't actually have to go down to like the Bayou and like kill someone with ancient voodoo practices to be able to see the film. It's just, just a streaming service. I was about ready to do that last night when I couldn't find it anywhere. I was kind of freaking out for a second. Like, I got it on VHS, but I was too lazy to plug in the VCR, even though I don't have a job. About a nine on the tension scale, Rube. All right, there it is. 1989's The Burbs. Thank you so much for everybody enjoying our film that was chosen by everybody. After all the other selections were removed, we were left with The Burbs. And we'll play that game again down the road. We'll have new guest hosts coming up soon. Angela Branstrom will be back on the show soon. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But next week, it's back to the old rotation. Travis. It's Rain and Travis Roy. Let's hear it, bubby. Here we go. So I don't know about you guys, but this is kind of how the process goes for me. It's like, you know, once a month we get to pick a movie 
And so like, I'll pick a movie, then I'll like immediately after I've picked the movie and like, it's getting into the, you know, your guys's turn and stuff. I've got a movie in my head and I'm like, this is the one I'm going to pick. This is going to be it. And then like about four or five days before Thursday recording, I'm like, nope. I'm going to do this other movie that I'm set in stone for that one for like all, you know, for like five days. And then the day of, I'm like, nope, I'm going to spend all Thursday thinking of like a million fucking movies. Um, but the thing is for like, I don't know, half a year or more, that original movie that I first think of the first time has been the same movie for me. I'm like, I keep on thinking of the same movie. I've had this movie in my head for months. So it's time to get it off my fucking plate. Wow. Uh, and I, and I think it's a, I think it's a good one for our show. Uh, in that it's a movie that people talk very, very mu- well, people talked very, very much about for a long time, but you don't hear people actually talk about it now. It exists now almost like in meme form and like cosplay and one movie quote, one word, a one word movie quote that you hear all the time still, which is multipass. We're oh doing element from 1997. We're going there back to Luke Besson sci-fi space opera. It's time to give that a look and see, does that hold up? Cause I genuinely feel like it could go either fucking way. Definitely. Um, I haven't seen I, it in, in, in at least 20 years. I yeah, I'm excited. I really have no idea. I've not, I used to watch a shit out of this movie and I, and now I'm like, I don't know how this is going to be. So I thought it'd be a good one to revisit. This is a great call in my opinion, Mike. Bring me to Stones. I just, <laughs> stones. Oh, yeah. I just want to say Stones like Gary Oldman's character. <laughs> stones. All right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, fuck. I'm this pumped. Is, seen this movie eighty thousand times. So, oh yeah, me too. But I haven't seen never, it in like eighteen uh, years. So I watch it. Uh, I, it's been in the rotation. It stays. It's so interesting. And it's Chris Tucker. You know, Chris Tucker was here once upon mm-hmm. a time, and mm-hmm. this was. I, I saw one thing. I just have to say this because it's true. Somebody's like Chris Tucker invented podcasting in this movie. <laughs> This is fucking hilarious. It made me laugh. So we're gonna have a lot of fun with that movie. It's a great call, Travis. This is a perfect choice. Uh, Great choice. Great. It's got it's got a lot going on. So yeah, this is certainly this is perfect for our show. You've done it. We don't even have to do the show. It's so perfect. (laughs) Great. We'll see you in two weeks. Seems odd. Two weeks. Two weeks for episode sixty four. We're just skip sixty three entirely. Total Recall should probably be done as well. We could do a whole sci fi month. No, that's knows? a classic. I mean, we've never done like a month, like a like a category month. Maybe we should do something like that. So, that'd be interesting. Know. I'd be down could for be that. A, genre. These month. are ideas. Genre months. Yeah, I'm open to yeah. that. I'm open to Yay! that. Yay! Let's show All the people right, how well, the sausage is made. Oh, <laughs> Dunderbeck sausage. It'll fuck you up. That's it. This is sausage. Thank you so much. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Next week, we'll be back with the multi-pass show, also known as The Fifth Element. I'm Michael Govier. That's Eric Branstrom. And he's Travis Roy. And together with the Cinnamon Nine Pod. Thanks for your time now. Bye-bye. Femur bone. Green sky at morning. Neighbor take warning. Green sky at night. <laughs> Neighbor take flight. flight.